Hey, this is Matt. And before we get started with this week's show, just a couple of announcements. First of all, in the first part of the show, we talk to Matt Legg, founder of FC Not Alone. That conversation includes talk of depression, mental health, and suicide. If that is something that is triggering for you or hard for you to hear, the timestamps in the show notes will indicate when that part is over. Uh, and you can skip over that with FC Not Alone founder Matt Legg and get straight to uh, the discussion of Burnley with both uh, Dave Champ and also. Stephen White, who runs St. Mary's Stat Base. Secondly, this will be the final episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. And I just want to take a second to say thank you to all of you before this show starts. Um, it has been a pleasure and an honor to be able to host this show, uh, develop this show, to talk to so many of you, uh, and to be listened to um, by so many people and have reached so many people and communicated with so many people in one way or another over the past four and a half seasons. When I started the show, there, there were no other Southampton podcasts. Uh, the Saints FC podcast started soon after that. Um, the Total Saints podcast came the following summer. And since then, there have been uh, a number of podcasts. Some have, have stayed, some have gone. Um, but you have shows like the In That Number podcast and the uh, When the Saints podcast. There's also Under the Lights and uh, just, just so many other podcasts that are out there now that you can listen to. And it's been a pleasure to be a part of that community. That is its own special little thing. But um, this comes at a good time for me. When I started the show, it gave me something to concentrate on that wasn't, I don't want to say not important, but it wasn't real life. It gave me somewhere to uh, to focus my attention and to work and to kind of escape from everything else that was happening. And since then, my life has changed pretty dramatically. Um, the show takes a lot of time and it's time that I love. It's sitting here doing this is something that I will never regret. Over the course of my life, I have always just added things to my schedule. It's somehow some badge of honor that I can schedule and, and, and figure out how to fit so many things into, uh, the 24 hour period that I have in a day. And I don't think necessarily that, that is healthy, but that is definitely something that I grew up, um, and somehow for some reason thought that was what I was supposed to do. So, um, you know, now I am trying to fight against that. And so, looking at the time this takes, having been forced to kind of look at everything over the pandemic to slow down, to, to realize that we don't have kids sports and we don't have high school sports and, and a lot of the activities that we used to uh, want to do both as a family and, and, and me individually, um, those were gone. And yet the time I had just to sit and be with my family with only doing the show and working uh, was very minimal. And it just gave me an idea of exactly how much time I dedicate to this show each and every week. And so instead of trying to cram it all in, instead of trying to um, make more hours in the day than there are actually, um, I've made the decision to, to take this off of my schedule. And it's a decision that I, of course, am not taking lightly. It's, it's hard to walk away from something that you enjoy so much and that you have put so much time into. But at the same time, uh, as people grow, as time goes on, it is the, uh, I think it's the right thing to do. So uh, I hope that people understand that. And some people may say this kind of comes out of nowhere. And, and you're right. I didn't, uh, 
I didn't tell anybody. I told the patrons on, on Friday, on Good Friday. Sorry, I probably ruined that a little bit, but um, I told them on Friday and that was really when the news started to come out and I asked them to kind of keep it quiet until now because I wanted to, to tell you, all of you as listeners, uh, I wanted you to hear it from my mouth and not from anywhere else. So um, I am leaving the show. The show will cease to exist as will the newsletter, but um, I know that there are friendships on here that I have made and connections I have made and I don't anticipate those going away. Uh, the dogs will forever continue to bark. Um, the kids will forever continue to interrupt. And I think the only change is that you won't have me in your ear for an hour, uh, each and every week. And, um, you know, it's been 220 of them. So it has been, uh, quite a few and, uh, I've enjoyed almost every minute, you know, uh, not gonna lie, you know, the nine nils were a little difficult to deal with, but, uh, if you thought I was somehow going to leave that out of this, then you are just simply wrong. Um, and, and, and wrong is something that I've been a lot over the past couple of seasons. And so, you know, thank you. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sending in your questions. Thank you for interacting in one way or another. And quite simply, just thank you for being fans of the team and accepting me uh, as a kid from California with no real business uh, starting a podcast about a team in Southampton. So that said, let's do this one more time. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Ozil, Shotakizabil. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. Blue foul shot. Oh, my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And the range of emotions that I felt uh, watching the Burnley match are similar to those that I have recording this episode or had recording this episode, we all know the highs and lows that are associated with watching Saints, the excitement and the disappointment, uh, and the thought that things could have gone better and maybe are going as well as they ever have all at the same time. That is a, a little bit of what I feel like right now. But uh, this week on the show, we have the co-founder of FC Not Alone, Matt Legg. We will talk with him about founding FC Not Alone, about his battles with depression, uh, and, and kind of what FC Not Alone aims to do. Uh, joining me for that interview is Dave Champ, who was born in Southampton and now lives in Ohio. He was the one who introduced me to FC Not Alone and kind of helped set that interview up. So together we spoke with Matt last week, and I'm excited to bring you that. After that, I talked with Dave again, uh, immediately following the Burnley match, and then we'll follow that up with uh, St. Mary's stat base, Stephen White, who uh, runs that page we'll talk about what sets it apart from some of the other pages that are out there. And then also his, uh, 
interviews and association with Southampton FC Women's, which is the official Southampton Football Club women's team, uh, not Southampton Women's FC, which is not associated with the men's team at all. So uh, we'll talk about all of that. And it is a bittersweet episode. It covers a lot of things that uh, I really enjoy talking about from obviously the men's team, a win, uh, plenty of goals, good play from Danny Ings and the rest of the team. Um, but it also has, you know, the women's team and it also has, you know, mental health and, and so many other things that are a part of football and that are part of our lives and that are super important. And uh, I'm so happy to be able to talk about all of them and cover all of them. And of course, there were things that I wish we could have covered more on the show. There are things that I wish I would have done uh, a little bit better, um, but that's that's part of life. And I've learned so much. I just want to say thank you to all of you who have listened. Um, if you skipped the big pre-intro music thing, this will be the final episode. Um, so thank you so much for listening. And uh, I appreciate your support over the last four and a half years. And I am excited to uh, move on. There is no other project. I will not be doing a Liverpool podcast for money. Uh, this is just a time to. Uh, I don't want to say relax, but focus, be present with my family. And uh, I'm very excited about that. So thank you to all of you. And uh, let's do this one more time with feeling. Uh, and I will talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Matt Leg of FC Not Alone. And returning to the show, uh, along with Matt to, to kind of conduct this interview, is Dave Champ. Um, so hello, Matt. Hello, Dave. Uh, Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks guys. Um, hope you both are doing, doing well. We've speaking to you both for a while now, so it's good to finally get this going and yeah, I'm very happy and flattered to be here. How are you yeah. both doing? I'm doing all right. I'm great. Um, I've just recovered from my second COVID shot. So that was yesterday. So, uh, I'm doing as well oh, as I invincible. can do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> invincible now. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Give it a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting the second one today. So fingers crossed everything goes all right. Uh, and Dave, thanks for, hopefully you're not too fatigued by the end of this to be able to uh, continue. So um, uh, Matt, w- we have you on. Dave made me aware of, of FC Not Alone. I, I was completely oblivious to, uh, to the, or- the organization of the company. I'm not sure kind of how you refer to it. Um, but kind of starting to follow along and, and look at some of the, the stuff you're, you're doing, um, you know, I just basically just for people who may not know, uh, what, what's the goal of FC Not Alone? What is FC Not Alone and what kind of where did it come from? So FC Not Alone is still something reasonably new, created about three years ago off the back of my own battle with depression and anxiety. And basically, we are a community interest uh, initiative, which means that kind of any, it's a non-profit organization with any profits being focused on efforts to help the community and what our goal is is to try and use the power of football to improve men's health and we're on a mission to use the power of of football to allow men to feel comfortable about opening up about their mental health and create a community to support them where they may be lacking one uh, currently in the united kingdom we're seeing about 100 suicides every week male suicides and it's the most likely thing to kill men under 45 so we just want to do our bit to reduce the stigma around depression anxiety because silence for a lot of those cases is is the killer and the feeling that there's they're alone and that there's no one that can help them um get better really so how do we do that in in practice well we pre-covid held kind of just sessions football sessions with coaches that are trained in mental health first aid 
and you can come down regardless of your ability. You don't need to be able to play or I've played before even and come down, hold a session. It's great for your mental health, both kind of scientifically, endorphins, just get released, serotonin from meeting other people. Um, but also you create your own community and a lot of our people don't have that support base and we want to give that to people and all the other great benefits that come with playing football. Um, finally, at the end of the session, we signpost them for where they can go for professional help. Um, so that's how it started and it's developed a bit since then. Um, but no, I'm really happy that kind of the word is being spread and the community is getting bigger. Yeah, uh, Dave, can I ask you, how, how did you first become aware of FC Not Alone uh, since you were the one who introduced it, it to me? Right. I, I was looking on um, the BBC Sport website. And I just came across the article and it really spoke to me um, many years ago. Well, just before my last job, before coming to the States to live, I actually worked in a mental health host hostel. And um, so I, I was familiar uh, as a, you know, older student as well um, with, with that sort of problem. And when I saw it, I, I thought, wow, I can really relate to this because when I came to the States, I left my support network back in England, my parent and my mother, and I'd really forgotten how much football <laughs> meant to me. And when my mother got sick in 2017, I went back with the purpose of meeting up with my son and my brother and my nephew, and we all went to the last game of the season. And I was just reflecting back on that and thinking, wow, that really made me feel good to reconnect with everybody at home, to go back to the soccer ground. And then I found Matt through Instagram. And, you know, the ball started rolling. And, and when I saw that article and I was reading everything that you put down there, I thought, wow, yeah, that was maybe me 19 years ago when I came to the States. Not that I got that depressed, but I was away from my support network. And I had no one to really, other than my wife's family, to talk to. And I had to, obviously, over a period of time, make, you know, relationships with them to the point where I could confide in them. And um, one other thing I'd like to bring up, Roman Kemp um, documentary. That was, that was just amazing. I took, there was a few takeaways I took from that. One was, when you ask somebody if they're okay, ask it again. Because I know in England, it's a, a greeting. You, you say, you okay? And my brother does that to me. You know, you okay? My son does it, you know. But they're not really asking if you're okay. They're just it's a greeting, you know. And I think it's really important to do that. Matt, when I was uh, kind of watching some of the stuff that you guys had on YouTube and reading, um, your co-founder, Ian McKenzie, I think one of your, your best friends, and uh, during your... I don't want to, I don't know if you're your darkest time, but during your battle with, with depression, when you were kind of feeling quite alone, I think he continuously did that. He continuously reached out to you and kind of forced you out uh, and forced you to come do this. But kind of what role has he played in, in uh, you know, helping you and then also getting this started? Yeah, he's played a massive role. I mean, with Ian, the way we know each other is we're cousins. So we kind of bonded initially on the fact that we were family, but the conversation point for us both was always football. Um, and whilst Ian, I think, will admit that he hasn't, I mean, it's so hard to know because you're your only reference point, but he'd say he hasn't been as low as I got. He's also had to deal with some stuff. And so he could speak to me on that level, on a brotherly level, 
and I was shutting everyone out. But apart from him, there was only a few people I'd let in, and he was one of them. And he just took that on, constantly visited me, and I'd stopped playing football from a kind of point of embarrassment because part of the depression was kind of lethargicness, and I felt that I was just slower, and it was just it was easier for me to not to play because if I played, it would just be embarrassing for me and that would make the whole thing worse when in reality he got me down to a match where everyone signs up so I didn't know anyone so actually that point of me being like wanting to hide my weakness in front of other people was void so we went together and it was just a great hour when nothing else was on my mind and it was actually really comforting encouraging and it just made me for that hour I didn't have to think about how my life was kind of falling apart but it, I was I could still play football so that's that's not gone and so that's kind of where this all began when I started to get a bit better. We saw a campaign by the campaign that's living miserably, who I don't know if they are available in America, but they're, you know, they're here in the UK. And they are a fantastic organisation who did a campaign called Project 84. So in 2018, it was 84 men per week were taking their own lives in the UK. And we saw that. And off the back of what I'd gone through, we were like, this is our time to do something about it. And so Ian and I initially set up the FC Not Alone Charity World Cup tournament and then have been, well, we realised this is bigger than just actually a, a solo tournament because people such, you know, characters such as Dave saw it and really related to it and came along and we realised that actually we've got a real team of people here. We can make a far bigger difference than we'd anticipated. So since then, me and Ian have been leading the way alongside having this whole team of great people that, that help us hold events or panel events or now writing for us on the website to try and continue that journey and reach as many people as possible. Such an awesome project. Can I ask you, Matt, um, is it a full-time job for you now or do you have another job and this is by the side of it? So I'm still currently a university student. Oh, you are? Um, so I'm in my final year and Ian himself has a job and we are still planning for at this moment for it to be like it's a side it's a side project for us even though I think we both admit it's the most important thing to us it's just not viable we're ready to take it full time but it's something we do as if it is a hobby we kind of get the enjoyment from it and it's the most valuable thing we've both ever done so if we're working on it at night, it doesn't feel like a chore or anything like that because you know that the end result is far more important than anything else we could do in our time. So we still dedicate the time to it, but it's full-time job would be, I'd say the dream for both of us, but it's just not, it's not viable. And we both also have professional aspirations that we want to try and try and achieve for the, for the moment. And, and I know that the, the pandemic has obviously impacted everybody in every aspect of their lives. And, and I think depression and, and, and those types of things have gone up since then. And I know, uh, you know, there's people online on Twitter and that's not always a good barometer of everything, but it seems like people are really kind of struggling. And I just wonder what, you know, how has that got kind of impacted you? Because you, you normally, you know, would have these meetup sessions and you would have the coaching and that was kind of, I, I assume that was, that was quite limited for you, but how did you kind of, kind of deal with that or, or work around that? I think, to be honest with you, we, all of our activities that we were going to hold, I mean, we had big plans for 2020, as I imagine everyone did, and um, just got completely put on hold, really, because the way we operate is by doing these sessions where 
we bring everyone together, big groups of people, uh, whether it's tournaments or panel events or just our coaching sessions. And that got put on hold. So we we're a little bit helpless, we thought. And also there was a lot of noise being made online about how to help people. And we thought it was great. You know, most of the stuff was really helpful and positive. And we didn't have anything to add. You know, okay. people were getting more advice on how to deal with their mental health than, than ever before. And we didn't want to add anything that we thought was just there to try and maintain status or, right. or whatnot. But now things are opening up. We are now able to do all those plans and are hoping to kind of have more regular content on all our, all our platforms. And, you know, football in England has been allowed again as of Monday, as in you know, uh, the 29th. So that's yeah. very exciting. And our football <laughs> team had a match and it means that we can start looking forward um, to the sessions because in theory, in, in the United Kingdom, everything by June the 21st yeah. will, be, will be open. Yeah. I think everyone's a bit on edge about that because it seems unrealistic, but you never know. So yeah. we have to plan for that. And yeah. so hopefully we can start doing tournaments again. But on what you're saying as well, there's studies that came out last week that were saying that over half of young people have said that, I don't understand how well they quantify young people, but it's unimportant for the study. What I'm about to say is that 52% of people said their mental health had gotten worse because they weren't able to play sport or exercise. Because right. if you have a family, it's a good, even then just to go and play sport is a great escape. But what if you're that single man who lives in a flat by himself and that was your time to go and see other people and have a community and run around and yeah that's your support network what about what about that yeah so it's, contact, isn't think, it? it's, it's having that contact meeting up with your with your friends you know having a laugh having a joke catching up on what they've been doing it's not the same doing it by zoom or skype or some artificial way it's just not the same it really came home to me back when i went back home and i saw my brother he went every week, he had a season ticket at Southampton. And he had a group of friends that every week he would meet up with those group of friends because that's where they all sat near him. So he knew them like brothers and sisters and stuff. And he, he introduced me to this group of about 20 people yeah. that he had regular contact with. And then I, I was looking, we were going to eat before the game and there's all these vendors outside the, the ground. And uh, he was even pulling up a table uh, around for this one guy and I said oh, you know this guy that well that you're setting up stand for him and stuff he said yeah I eat here every every week you know so it's that it's that contact that's what yeah. we're missing and I think with COVID I think if it's done anything good for the world it's polarized our feelings for other people and, and made us realize what we're missing by not having that contact and I mean I, I know it's do well for people's mental health because it's really going to, you know, drop people's mental health. I, I remember um, a few years ago, there was this guy at work who was having family problems. I think he was going through a divorce. And I walked past him one day. I work in um, an industrial setting. And I walked past him in the corridor. And, and I didn't know him that well, but I knew him well enough to say hello to him. And I had contact with him within my job. And... I just remember this, just such a rather blank look as he passed me and he didn't say anything to me on the day he committed suicide. And it was just like, that will haunt me for the rest of my life, the, the look that he had on his face. 
And the only thing that he communicated with other people that worked there was, you know, I don't know how you feel about guns and stuff like that. That's a whole big thing in America right now. And, you know, there's people for it and people against it. But he asked, he said to people, I want to take up a hobby. What do you think about me going out and, and shooting for, for a hobby? And people just didn't put two and two together that he was so depressed that he was going to take that gun and not go out shooting and, and use it to end his life. It was just so sad. Really. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know that story. Dude. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't want to go down a, <laughs> yeah. you know, down a, a downer on this. I'm sorry too. No, but no, it's not. It's not because I think that's the thing that FC Dolan's trying to do is that's real life and just stuff like that. Tragedies like that happen. And yeah, perhaps we can change how society views mental illness. Then that guy would have been able to step forward in front of his colleagues. I'm sure everyone would have been very accepting that he's having a terrible time and been able to support him. But for whatever reason, yeah, he felt that he couldn't. And then he made that irreversible choice to end his life, which is the choice that we don't want. Right. anyone to ever make yeah. absolutely I, I think millennials though the, the positive thing that we can take from that is i think millennials and and younger people are, are, are getting more and more aware of their feelings particularly guys i think it's traditional for people of my age i'm i'm gonna be 61 this year and and i know and even my father they don't talk about their feelings very easily they don't talk about when they feel down something when something's bothering them and yes, it's really, really got to a point where they've got no other choice. I think it's so important for us to connect with other with other guys and say, look, you know, I'm having a really bad time here. Have you got any ideas as what I could do? You know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I was, you know, I stand on the other side of the person. I definitely have learned from my mistakes in terms of I didn't speak or get treatment until literally... I was unable to speak and then my family knew that they had to intervene. But aside from that, I'd been at university saying everything was fine. So, yeah, you know, I've been that, I've been that guy. And even now it's still hard to, to open up, but you're yeah. not alone. I've also met a whole network of people where I can. So, but I know I can. And well, also I know about these other organizations, fantastic organizations that exist and have trained professionals that, you know, the helplines are open every day. Um, so yeah, I just wasn't, aware of really what anxiety and depression were when I was younger didn't feel like I could talk about it and that's kind of the two things that led to it getting so bad really yeah yeah, yeah. And I think from, a lot of it's positivity staying positive about things and I think you guys you know you're a force for positivity and you're doing fantastic work thank you but again FC Not Alone doesn't exist without people wanting to also be a part of it and recognizing themselves in it right so yeah. it is really a community project in, in that sense um, and it's right. been breathtaking for ian and i to see the public response to it and then yeah. it continue awesome. yeah yeah it's an awesome idea and that's why they're responding so well yeah Cheers, David. Good. yeah you're welcome uh, i just wanted to to speak uh go back a little bit when you talk about the kind of changes where people are having around mental health i remember when I was first kind of diagnosed with depression as a teenager, the, the only thing they did was a general practitioner put you on medication, go about your day, you know, basically pretend everything is fine. And, and obviously that doesn't work. And by the time I, I grew up to be an adult, there was still this kind of shame around going to see or having a professional counselor or going to therapy. Uh, and that was something that I almost felt shame about 
and and so there's just it's just compounding and now um you know being more open about it does really help and i don't necessarily need to tell everybody everything but um just the uh i I guess that stigma around it the more we put it out there the more we recognize that it is a a normal part of life to feel down um i think the better off we will all be um and, and just to kind of wrap this up matt uh and once again thank you um, how can people get involved with FC Not Alone if they are in the UK? Um, and then tell us a little bit about about uh, that partnership you have with Adidas and also and also with Com. Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's actually not. You don't need to be based in the UK to get involved with us. You know, we have a website. We have all our our socials. The website's www.fcnotalone.com, and we have journalists that submit pieces about topics, really anything from mental health, and and tend to be football based. And I believe Dave will be adding to that so that's very exciting for us um but, yeah any other journalists please we're just trying to get the biggest team we can to to write great pieces and equally we sell football kits which helps fund our activity with 50 percent going to to calm to help fund their their organization and all that they do um which is anything from helpline or bereavement services i mean they are they are incredible so, so yeah, to support us, just find us on our socials at FC Not Alone, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and get in touch. Really, get in touch. In yeah. terms of our partnerships with Adidas and Calm, we'll, we'll start with Calm because it probably makes more sense in that they've been there with us from the start. Um, we had the idea for the tournament, and they supported us, gave us you know kits and expertise. And also had their CEO, Simon Gunning, to come and do a speech for us because we just love what they're about. They're a kind of a, a modern male suicide prevention charity and that they do events to get men together. So it's not, I think, the way they describe it is it's not the typical crying man in outside in the rain. They go to comedy events and and football events or entertainment events and really merge the two topics of mental health um within within comedy or within in football or entertainment so it's this becomes a far more easy topic to discuss which is partly what we're doing um and because we love what they do and they're the trained professionals we've always dedicated some of what we have raised to them uh the adidas partnership came because they saw us they like what we were doing and it started off by them sponsoring our second tournament providing all the equipment and also creating the kit that you'll everyone can see on the website which a few still available and now they have launched a global campaign called the adidas football collective to try and get as many people playing football as possible and within that they have partnered with us for their efforts within the united kingdom so that should mean that we can finally do more coaching sessions um, and more workshops and have more, you know, professional coaches down to to hold our activities. So we're very grateful to Adidas for that. And hopefully we'll get a new kit for the next season. So they're the partnerships. But yeah, everyone's welcome to get involved with FC Not Alone. And I look forward to to meeting everyone, hopefully at a tournament in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to come down to one of those sessions for people who can't play. It'd be, um, yeah. It'd be incredible. <laughs> obviously more than welcome. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to Matt the other day about taking a trip maybe next year and uh, going to watch that yeah. play and then possibly coming to see you guys. That, that would be really awesome. Yeah. I would love yeah. that. Yeah. No, well, we'd love to see you guys. So yeah, thank you. 
Let's make that happen. Yeah, we, uh, we will make sure to put links to both the, the website um, and, and all your social media links and stuff in, in the show notes so people can find it quite easily. Um, and, and yeah, I would encourage anybody who's living, uh, I know a lot of listeners are in Southampton, or in, but the uh, second biggest city is London. So um, if they're around, uh, go down, check it out, don't hesitate. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you, Matt, not just for coming on the show, but for doing the work that you're doing. Um, it is super important and it is hard work. And not only the work that you're doing with us, you're not alone, but the work that you've done kind of on yourself. That's, I mean, it's, it's the toughest work there is, I think. And, um, just thank you for, for all of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish, I wish both of you and, and all of you the best. Equally. And, yeah. uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Like it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, talking to you guys and the fact that you've recognized definitely not alone and wants to get involved for me is just yeah it's breathtaking and and it's great and yeah it's been a great conversation i hope to meet you guys soon so please do stay in touch and so joining me now is dave champ you can find him on instagram at away from home saint uh dave we just spoke with matt leg uh that was actually on wednesday we're speaking now uh just just after the final whistle of the burnley match um happy easter to you I hope you're doing all right. Uh, it was early. It was a resurrection of sorts after after the start we had, and and here we are. But um, h- how you doing? Good, good, Matt. I'm I'm doing really well. Uh, got up with a bit of a start this morning. Uh, almost missed my alarm and uh, just about made it. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm awake uh, after after that match. That's for sure. Uh, but I'm also exhausted. I was tired at the start. I'm exhausted now, but for completely different reasons. Um, so we'll just kind of jump right into it. Uh, busy, busy show this, this week, but, um, I guess for you, what, what stood out to you in, in, in that match against, against Burnley? Well, to start with, I was glad to see that we had a very strong team. Um, Walcott and Ings back, um, Burnley started really, really well. And I started to get a little worried. Um, it started to wake me up faster, put it that way. and. Although Burnley started very, very well, um, I looked at it as a very positive thing because in the past, Saints have started like a full out of the gate and they fizzled it out towards the end of the game, almost lacked all that energy, lacked all the motivation to carry on. And this one, they started off a little steadier until after 20 minutes, and then they got themselves back into the game. I mean, it was a little bit of a downer that, um, they went down to the penalty um, in the 11th minute. But after that, they seemed to regroup and um, get a lot better. Uh, yeah, and we were talking a little bit beforehand, and, and we've seen Saints start super brightly, like you said, and then kind of fizzle out. And, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was, I was disappointed with the, uh, with the initial penalty. Not that I don't think Walker Peters fouls him, but I thought that the pullback from Eric Peters on Kyle Walker Peters was a foul beforehand, but maybe that's just me being uh, a little bit, a little bit biased and, and not wanting that to go. But once, once they go to VAR and they're only checking that, that, that challenge on, on Eric Peters, it was pretty obvious that that was going to be given. Um, and really I thought once we went down one, nothing that that was probably it. And then once we went down two nothing, I kind of thought, you know, this is, this is all the, this is all the hallmarks of Burnley shutting up shop and us, you know, having, you know, 70% of the ball, 75% of the ball and never actually getting a shot off. And I, that couldn't be further from the truth once, once Saints got back into it. Yeah, I, I felt after Vidra scored um, that we still had a strong team and I didn't lose confidence after that even because I could see the team 
still playing strongly, but facing a very, very tough uh, physical opponent. And when, um, you know, Armstrong, who had a fantastic game, I mean, Stuart Armstrong, wow, what a player. Um, when he combined with Danny Ings, um, I, I felt better after that. And they pulled one back in the 31st minute. And then when Ings went up against me um, in the 42nd minute, just before halftime and scored, I, I was thinking, yeah, what a great time to score just before halftime. Perfect. And, um, you know, at halftime, I'm thinking, yeah, they've drawn level. It's a strong team. We're going to do well. It's either going to be a draw or we're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the goals to get back into it. I think the quick response after we went down 2 nothing was super important. I think the defending on our end could have been better in that first 30 minutes. I thought it was pretty pathetic to see uh, basically you know, a long ball from the back a knockdown from the big man, a finish from the little man. And, and that, you know, you, you, if, if there was a playbook on how Burnley are going to attack you, that's kind of it. And, and we should have been better in dealing with that. Um, but, to, but going the other way offensively, I think we, I thought we looked pretty, pretty decent. Um, Danny Ings was nice to have him back. Uh, Armstrong, it was a great finish. And then Ings just all by himself for that second one was, I guess just, just quite a run of play from him. Uh, you know, it just, just did it all himself and it was, it was pretty great. So, uh, could have had a, a couple more goals towards the end. I was wondering if we were ever actually going to finish on the break, but um, you know, in the end, three, two, three points, pick up some points from losing positions, which is something we don't normally do. And um, you know, I think we can go about our Sunday and, and be happy with the, with the overall result. Oh yeah. It was a great result. I mean, towards um, the second half uh, when James Ward Krause hit the bar, um, it really reminded me of the world cup final in 1966. Um, when that ball went down and I, I was looking very closely to see where it went over the line or not. And then towards the very, very end when Shane, Jay Adams pulled away and um, looked like he was just him and the goalkeeper and he missed. Um, that was like Jeff Hurst right at the end of the World Cup final in 1966 um, when he actually finished it off. And funny enough, it would have made the score 4-2 exactly the same as what it was in the final in 66 as well. So there were shades of the World Cup final in that game. Um, I think overall the team did really, really well, and um, they've got to be happy with that. And it's um, put them up to uh, where they're pushing Crystal Palace now. And I, I think at the end of the season, um, I guess the goal for Southampton would be to finish maybe in 10th or even ninth place if they can. Um, that would be a great place to finish, but uh, obviously there's a few more games to go. Yeah. Did it concern you at all that the the way the team started and, and the fact that we didn't seem to deal with a fairly direct team and, and or anything like that? No, not really, because I kept on thinking that the team on paper looked very, very strong. And I had confidence that they would regroup and work out what was going on fairly quickly. I mean, at the end of the day, in my mind, it only took them about 20, 25 minutes to figure out what was going on. They were either going to figure it out in the first half or come out having figured it out in the second half. Yeah, and, and I think the, uh, you know, coming back from the international break, having guys that, that were out, um, you know, on break and then coming back and, and kind of getting back into it, you, you can see us starting slowly given that. Um, and, I, you know, I think Ward-Prowse being fit was obviously a big deal. Um, having him in the middle, he's played every minute of the season so far, uh, but there were some injury doubts. And then obviously getting the boost back of having Ings, having Walcott, 
those guys come straight back into the team. So um, them playing their first competitive minutes in some time, I think you, you can you could see that taking them some time to get into the game. Um, but you know, once we got going, I thought we we looked much better than Burnley. Um, and uh, you know, in the end, I think it's it's a fair result uh, overall. But uh, you like to see us be a little bit cleaner with the, especially at the back. I think right. I, I was a little concerned about Walcott. He seemed to blow a little bit hot and cold. He had a couple of good chances that he actually squandered. I think. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the deal was with him. Maybe he wasn't quite um, match ready, or he hadn't played. He obviously hasn't played so many matches. I think that was more likely the case for him. Um, I think once he's played a couple more matches, I think he's going to be absolutely amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, and and hopefully now he'll be able to stay fit through the rest of the season. And that's always kind of the the thing with him and with Danny Ings is if they're fit uh, and they're and they're match fit, then I think they are uh, you know they're definite starters. But um, yeah, I couldn't I can't really complain after. I mean, I could have complained at, at two nothing, uh, down two nothing, uh, you know, in the twenty eighth minute. But after that, I thought we played, we played well. Was, and you know, I'm not gonna, I just won't complain. It's just, it's not worth it. Um, you know, we're just there, there. There's too many other other important things in life, and they just. It looked like a nice sunny day on the south coast, which was nice. Um, the sun's not even up here, so I don't know what it's going to be like here. But uh, you know, hopefully everybody enjoyed that. <laughs> I think Ohio is mirroring Southampton right now. It, it looks about the same. And right. uh, when it's when it's sunny on the south coast, it's always a good day. That's right. I think that's Nathan right. Redmond right. as well. Actually, uh, I want to mention Nathan Redmond. Uh, what a great game he had! A fantastic goal he scored, and uh, he is he is just a powerhouse. And I always enjoy watching him play. He is a fantastic player. Yeah, uh, kind of divide Southampton fan opinion, but um, I think he. He played well today, and that decision to start him alongside Danny Ings, people will always question it, uh, especially when Che Adams comes off of international duty and you know scored and, and looked good. And um, but I thought Redmond Redmond played well today. Maybe uh, maybe a couple of times towards the end we could have we could have done a little better on the break. But you know when Che did get his chance, he missed that. So no, <laughs> you never know if it's the right decision or not. Uh, I, I think it was absolutely the right decision to play Nathan because when he came on a couple of games ago um, as a substitute, he instantly had an effect on the game and I think he scored within the first 10 minutes of coming on. Um, so he really does have a very positive effect on Southampton. It's his speed, it's his um, ability to find that player um, that he wants to find when he's, when he's assisting. And he is just overall a great player for Southampton when he plays. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, now, what is that, 36 points uh, for the team, just a couple short of, of probably being safe. Um, you mentioned 10th, 9th, somewhere in there. Uh, you think, looking back to the beginning of the season, if, if that's where Saints would have finished, would you be happy with that? I, I think we've got to be happy with that right now. Whether you want to blame COVID or the lack of spectators at the game, I mean, it could be down to a number of factors, injuries. Um, you know, it's it's got to be it's got to be an aim. I think, um, like I said earlier, to get to at least tenth place. Um, I think it's very achievable for them. Um, they just have to keep playing like they are, and they have done today. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be good for the team. 
I always talk about, you know, keeping the momentum. Yeah. Actually, from the point of view of, um, you know, when we talked to Matt Legg um, earlier in the week and he was talking about Fulham, I'd, I'd love to see Fulham play up. And I'm yeah. sure he'd be glad to hear me say that. <laughs> I, I think Fulham are a really good team. And, um, you know, we, we can pretty much see that Sheffield are done. Um, West Brom, <laughs> they may or may not, you know, they had a good game yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. May, they may stay up. Um, it just depends what happens around those teams as well. The team's very slightly ahead of them. Um, if they have a bad time, then maybe one or, you know, West Brom or Fulham may well survive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, the, of the two teams, um, I, I'd like to see Fulham survive. I'm not so sure of West Brom will. Yeah. Um, Sheffield are done, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad, uh, you know, at, at 2 nothing down, it kind of looked like maybe maybe that Chelsea-West Brom game was a precursor to uh, what we were going to witness today, and then I'm glad it didn't turn out that way. So, uh, And obviously, I, I didn't get up uh, at 4 a.m. to watch that game because that's never going to happen, but I did for us. Contemplated going back to sleep in the chair after uh, they, they went 2-0 up and just said, uh, you know, I'll just listen to the game, but uh, I'm glad I didn't because it would have been the wrong call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would have missed a great uh, amount of uh, skill. Yeah, and um, some great goals. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, any any final thoughts? And you know, your player of the match or anything like that before we wrap this up? For me, um, I, I really have two favorite players. Uh, I'd say Stuart Armstrong and Danny Ings. Well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna I'm gonna add Nathan Redmond as well. I think all three of them deserve to be mentioned in this game. Um, out of all of them, it would be easy for me to say Danny Ings mm-hmm. because Danny Ings did show a lot of composure in front of goal, mm-hmm. um, particularly on the goal he scored. Um, I, I really like Stuart Armstrong, and I think Stuart, Stuart Armstrong has had some amazing games for Saints this season. And he is a very, very important player. He's quite often overlooked by a lot of people. But when you, when you look at what he does and how he does it, he's an amazing player. Uh, what a great signing when we got him um, you know, a couple of seasons ago. So, yeah, I would say if I had to pick any one of the three, uh, I actually would go with Stuart Armstrong. Okay. He's been the right. best player today. That's fine. Despite the other two, you know, having done brilliantly as well. Yeah. But well, Armstrong's always fun to watch. And in the role that he plays for us, he seems to take up uh, a bunch of different positions. And he always seems to be, uh, it doesn't really matter who starts on the other side. He always seems to be the better of the, of the wide number tens, you know? And so I, I think that that says something about him and um, you know, it's nice that he has an international teammate uh, on the team now and, and, and Che Adams, and and hopefully they can start uh, linking up for for some goals here pretty soon. But um, just want to say, just want to say thanks for uh, thanks for uh, setting up the interview with with Matt Leg of FC Not Alone and introducing me to that. Um, I think that was uh, that was definitely a, a highlight. Uh, and then of course talking to you once again was was always good. And and we'll we'll keep doing this. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, I I enjoy uh, talking with you about Southampton. Yeah, and hopefully. Uh, that trip over will happen at some point soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I really want to get that going. Uh, you know, hopefully all the circumstances come around and it, it's going to be possible uh, 
without too much fuss and uh, too much uh, rigmarole. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, cross your fingers for home home matches. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of your Easter. Uh, say say hello to the in laws, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you, Matt. Stay safe. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Stephen White. You can find him on Instagram at St. Mary's Stat Base. Uh, Stephen, thanks for joining me on uh, Easter Sunday. It's a sunny day. Uh, Saints uh, were resurrected after uh, being down 2 nothing to come back and win 3-2. So a uh, good day to talk, but uh, how are you? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, lovely and sunny here. It's uh, been, been cold the last few days, so it's nice to yeah have the sun out for Easter Sunday. And yeah, what a day for it. Saints came back manif- magnificently. So yeah, I'm very happy to be on. Yeah, it uh, you know, at two nothing down, I was kind of like, well, maybe this is my sign just to go back to bed. It was four a.m., uh, four thirty. By the time that happened, it's like, you know, uh, how much more coffee do I want to have before I d- call it a day? Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad it, uh, it 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 turned around pretty quickly. But um, kind of before we jump into the match a little bit, we I, I did speak with with Dave Champ, who was who's been on the show several times just a little bit ago. Um, but you know, just before we jump into that, you, you run St. Mary's stat base, and we kind of talked uh beforehand you you like numbers uh numbers are are a part of your life for for more than one more than one reason but um i guess what what gave you the idea to start uh saint mary's database there and and i'll just say this there are a lot of instagram pages out there yours stands out from the others based on kind of the stuff you do but but what was the idea behind it and, and what made you start it yeah i think um i actually remember the first time i thought of doing the page i was coming back uh, so I work in London, so I commute up to London each day and um, I was coming back on the train from London and I was thinking, um, I remember looking through Instagram, I was looking at Southampton page, I was thinking like, man, there's not really anything about stats. And I think as a as a club, maybe not of the kind of stature of, you know, the top six big clubs, maybe we don't really get to see Southampton statistics too much. And I thought, um, maybe there's almost like a gap in the market for something here um, just to focus solely on statistics. Um, So I kind of had that idea in my head and then I just started uh, a page just kind of seeing, you know, where it might lead to Um, just kind of, I guess like our catch was that it was purely just going to be based on statistics to start off with. Um, And we just started to get a really good reception at first. Um, I remember the guys from yeah in that number they were really encouraging to start and yourself um and it kind of took off from there really um it then sort of progressed into um becoming more involved with southampton fc women um and then kind of progressed to uh really fun stuff of interviews um but i think when we started off it was just purely going to be about statistics and i was just trying to almost like exploit that gap and i thought um yeah, it, it was something that I felt not enough people were doing. So I thought that little gap in the market, I'll try and, uh, try and get in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stats are, are super interesting. And like you said, a lot of them come out from, you know, about the big the big six. And, and then you see, if you look at any of these uh, presenters, the match day packets they get, they're, you know, full notebook size things. And they're all, they all come from Opta, but they're all also kind of highlighted and, 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 and pinpointed as to what they're, they're going to point out. Cause I, sometimes I wonder like, you know, d- does every announcer sit there and, and, and go back into, you know, football reference and, and pull all these things out. And it's like, no, they don't, you know, they, there's some, 
poor guy at Opto who's just like, you know, you get Burnley this week and like just has to go through and do all this stuff. But um, I guess, you know, to make sense of them is, is, is I think the difficult part, right? The, the numbers sometimes to me, when I look at them, it's like, I don't know if that's significant or not. And I, I sometimes wonder if I, you know, if I'm doing something a disservice by, by pointing out a stat or something like that, you know, but um, you know, you, you have a lot more, uh, I guess, I guess experience with, with numbers than I do. So it, it's probably a little better for you. Yeah, I guess as we were speaking about earlier, like my job's an analyst, so I'm naturally kind of more inclined into numbers and delving down deeper into what they actually mean. So I started off just looking a lot at times G and I think at times maybe I was getting a little bit too complex and I was just asking for feedback. I think what I just needed to do was make things quite simple for fans to understand. Um at that point, Southampton were sort of floating above the relegation zone. I was thinking Maybe to the neutral, this doesn't sound too interesting, but maybe I can look at why we're not really competing above maybe where we should have been at the time. Um, and it was just things like our times G was like a fairly good number. We just weren't hitting it for some reason. Um, and just trying to tell a story with stats to begin with, really. Um, and then when we came back after lockdown, things got more interesting. Saints were doing well. So it's always fun to then pick out these like cool stats like times times A as well, times uh, expected assists. Um, and looking at the players that perhaps, you know, weren't scoring so much like Che Adams, for example, but his uh, XA was really high. So, um, yeah, you see the players that can uh, contribute in different terms, not necessarily goals. So, yeah, I've always found it very interesting. And I wanted to be able to show that to all the fans. Uh, yeah, see yeah. Out what they were missing. And then I, I think, you know, through early parts of this season, we were outperforming xg and and expected assist uh by a long shot and that was always kind of the uh when things started to fall apart it was one of those warnings that the, some of the stats guys especially uh, at the athletic were like we've been saying this you know it, it, we this is this we're here you know and and they're you look at sheffield united they shouldn't have been that bad we probably shouldn't have been that good and i think you know they're not coming back but i think we are starting to to find out and settle a little bit um but one of the big things you've been able to do with with the page is you started doing stuff with uh, Southampton FC women's. I'll be honest, I support Southampton women's FC. Uh, so I, I've kind of, uh, I was a little petty at the beginning. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, associate myself with, with uh, the, the football club uh, from Southampton FC women's. But um, you've been able to, to not only do stats for them, which is I'm sure harder to find and, and things like that, but you've also been able to do several interviews that have been um, I think really well received and also have been very well done. So like, you know, just, just nice job on, on that, uh, on a personal level. But, um, how did that come about? Where, where did you get the idea to do that? And then how have you found kind of getting access to the players and, and the club and things like that? Yeah. So I think first off it came about when there was that first break in the football. So, um, obviously we'd gone into lockdown and there was no football, uh, at all. So, it gave me that time to sort of think, um, what can I do differently? I'd only been running the page a couple of months by that point. So I think what I first wanted to do was maybe uh, look at different sides of Southampton. So either the academy or the women's side. And I remember I just started off sending out a load of messages to players, um, just seeing if I could get any sort of feedback or reception. Um, and I remember just the women's side, uh, so many of the players were just 
just messaging me and I was like oh this is really cool like <laughs> you know you don't normally like get responses from players so I remember one in particular um yeah Rachel Panting so she's a striker for Southampton FC women um she was just really receptive and I then started to have an idea of like well maybe I could sort of just do some designs for profiles just to give them a bit more um just just so they're sort of like more well known I think to the fans because we don't necessarily see that side so often um and then it just started off with just those few profiles so I think I did one for Shelley as well Shelley Proven um Ella Pusey and uh, Shannon Sivright as well and then I remember then it kind of got to the summer and again I was thinking like what more could I do so I was thinking potentially with interviews that would be really fun to do so then managed to get in contact with uh, Caitlin and Ella Morris um, so I just asked them were they sort of interested in, in talking to me about uh, the club and how they see like the club that's uh, for, for the women's side like how that's come up in the last few years because um, it's only started again recently um, and I then just had to sort of get some permissions from uh, like the general manager the communications at Southampton and they uh, basically just gave the green light and I was able to do that interview earlier on the year with Caitlin and Nella, um, which went down really well. And then from then on, I've just kind of done some more graphics for the girls. Um, yeah, I recently did one for Phoebe, which was really well received. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to be able to see that different part to Southampton because I don't think fans necessarily see that so often. So it's just bringing in another light, really. Um, and I was really, yeah, positive. Yeah, and, and the women's club is is definitely not as as well known or well followed, and I think that that kind of goes across, uh, you know, across all across England, right? Like, it's women's football is not as big as 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 men's football, um, and and you know, normally because when you say football, people automatically assume it's the men's team. You're not, and you have to specify if you're talking about the women's team, which. I don't know if that will change, but hopefully we move towards a, a something where that's kind of as well received or as well followed, and and the stats are as you know as easy to access and things like that. You know, um, I think that will be uh, a change. But I also think that there the steps have been taken and and things are getting things have definitely improved. But there's I think there's a long way to go. I don't think we're anywhere close to to being where we want. Um, happy Easter from the dogs and the alarm there. Sorry. Um, we might we may hear them, but that that's just just kind of how it goes. So that's all right. Um, but I, I guess let's talk a little bit about Burnley because um, I always worry coming back from an international break um, for for Saints. You know, one yes, the guys are rested, especially you know we did, sometimes we don't have a lot of guys going out on on international duty, and I think that may help just just get legs uh, fresh. And Ings obviously coming back from an injury, so he's not going anywhere. Walcott had time to get healthy. Um, but Vestergaard and Benrak, the two guys who came back, uh, from, from international duty, I would say didn't have their best game. Um, you know, uh, and maybe that's to be expected. Uh, Ward Prowse was fit, which was nice. Um, but when we come back from, from international breaks, do you generally worry about, about guys coming back and, and the, the team cohesion or what's your kind of feeling on that? Um, I think I was more positive because I know that from, our past history in terms of like the last year we've actually come back from international breaks or from the lockdown really strong so I was expecting to see a strong Saint side and we did see that with uh, Walcott coming back in from injury, Ing starting. Um, yeah I was I was very pleased with the lineup I think he could have yeah 
he could have chucked in Che Adams. Um, he's obviously performed well for Scotland, but he decided to keep with Redmond, uh, which I think paid off. And um, yeah, I think you always have to try and remain positive because Ralph's had that time together with the players to work on what's been going wrong. And obviously we've not been performing so well in the last few games. So right. um, I remember the commentators were saying that he's tried to keep the training sessions really um, kind of hardcore because in that break, I think players can kind of um, slow down and then their muscles relax a bit more. So they're not in tune to those um, games when they come back. So I think it was just all about Ralph, like keeping up those hard sessions. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Ralph and intensity, those two things go well together. Um, I can't imagine him allowing to take pe- uh, to take time off or allow, allow guys to take time off too much. So um, that's good. Um uh, so you you mentioned the lineup. I, I thought it was pretty strong. I actually didn't know what the lineup was until the game kicked off because it was so early. Um, I was more con- more concerned about getting coffee inside of me than anything else. Um, but the the start, um, Dave, who I just spoke to just a moment ago, kind of said, you know, we tend to start off very brightly and then fade. We kind of did the opposite today, uh, and it worked out. And generally, if we get three points, I won't really care. Um, but you know. At two nothing inside the first thirty minutes, I kind of went like, "Is this really what I want to be up for? Like, is this you know, is this it?" But um, you know, what did you make of the start? Especially, I, I guess let's let's just start with with the first goal with the penalty. Um, from my perspective, I thought Kyle Walker Peters was fouled by Eric Peters before Kyle Walker Peters fouled Eric Peters. I, I don't know. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't really see the original tackle and I remember the commentators were saying oh he's won the ball it's uh, it's going to be fine and then they had that break and they looked at uh, VAR obviously the ref then went to the screen um, I think Peters Eric Peters was pushing off KWP um, off the ball and I think I always I always find it difficult with these these challenges because he had kicked the ball and then Kyle Walker Peters then made the challenge and I'm thinking do the rules need to be changed here? Because he's already kicked the ball. In the case, come in and maybe that's affected like how he's kicked the ball, but he'd already kicked the ball. So I don't know. I think it, I think it was a penalty, but I think the rules need to be changed around when you kick it versus when the challenge actually comes in. Okay. I kind of thought if, if, if uh, Eric Peters pulls Kyle Walker Peters back outside the box like that around, around the midfield line, I guess, then it's a, it's a foul going our way, you know? But because it's inside the box and Kyle Walker Peters doesn't go down, there is the, you know, and then I, there's no doubt that Kyle Walker Peters absolutely like, you know, cleans him out. This bad tackle, not great. Um, you know, Eric Peters eventually had to go off. Uh, not, I don't think it was related to that. I think it was related to something else. But, um, you know, I was, I was not happy with the whole situation. Uh, also did not realize Eric Peters was Dutch. I could have swore he was born somewhere in the north of England. And, uh, you know, um, Actually, I should I should have looked up before we talked. Uh, you know, which team had more British players or English players starting uh, today? I would have definitely thought it was Burnley, but you know, looking at Wood and 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 Peters, and all of a sudden I started to doubt myself a little bit. But uh, you know, well, whatever. Um, and then obviously they go they go one nil up with the penalty, and then the the second goal. I just thought like if if there's a way Burnley are going to beat you, this is going to be it, right? Like you know, play it back long ball forward, big man knocks it down to little man, little man finishes like, and you, you just expect Benderak and Vestergaard to go like, Hey, that they have, they have one, one way they do this and, and you let them do it. And 
uh, I don't know. Was that, I, I was super frustrated at that point, but how did you feel when that second goal happened the way it did? Yeah, very much the same. Pretty frustrated. It was almost a carbon copy of what happened uh, last year with uh, Mate Vidra scoring against us. Um, absolutely like wonder strikes from him. He seems to just pull it out for Saints. Um, but it would just be a one long ball over the top and then they will somehow leave a 2v2 situation. Um, so it would be Vidra and Wood versus Vestergaard and Bednarak. And somehow our fullbacks are just quite far up the field. Um, all Wood has to do is then knock it down to Vidra and then you absolutely... Yeah, very clean strike, really good goal. Um, so just frustrating. Just that long, long ball over the top. I didn't think Vestergaard maybe was doing enough at that point um, in terms of like it, winning the first ball. So yeah, disappointed. Yeah, uh, you know, I've praised Vestergaard and I think all of us have and, and that partnership has been pretty good, um, but just didn't have it in, in the first kind of 30 minutes today. And then um, luckily those Saints kind of reacted almost right away and, Vestergaard you know, didn't deal with the ball in the air very well, but suddenly he showed up uh, kind of on the left wing, I think, and was holding the ball up. And it was like, you know, who is this guy? What is he doing? Um, and eventually the ball gets played into Ings, who nice, nice touch around the corner for Armstrong, who finished brilliantly. Um, and it was kind of just out of nowhere that, you know, this here we go and um, kind of felt like we were back into it. Um, and I just have on my notes, you know, wow, at, at the penalty. Wow. At the, 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 the goal from from Vidra wow at the the goal for the interplay from Ings like I just I, I mean maybe it's just because it's early and I don't want to write long words but like you know just the game had a, a series of wow type moments I thought from 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 my perspective yeah similarly um I was writing notes down and I was thinking <laughs> defending I think I wrote that down at one point uh, in terms of the Bernie goals and then just out of nowhere as you say Vestergaard pops up in the left wing and you're thinking like what's he doing over there he's um I can't remember if he's, he was the one who fed it into War Prowse but that pass to Ings and the little layoff to Armstrong. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful build up to that goal. Um, I think the commentators was, was saying um, that Pope was wrong footed. So I think that's why he didn't quite get down quick enough to save the goal. But yeah, really, really, uh, really well worked. And I think that's something we've really been lacking that just quick uh, interplay to then get into the third, uh, the final third um, and get the goal. So yeah, really good uh, comeback there. Yeah. And uh you know, Pope did have a quite quite a bit to do today. Um, at, towards the end of the game, when it was two two, we, we were trying to go ahead, and then I think even when we were ahead three two. It was kind of like, you know, just need Pope to know he's not Jesus. His job isn't to save everything. If he could just let us do this, that would be great. Um, but uh, you know, we we got out of the three two winners in the end, and um, Danny Ings did manage to level the score before halftime, and you know, uh, another defensive mistake from from me this time and Ings kind of, you know, I was, I'm not even sure what, what me was trying to do there, but Ings gets around him and then just kind of does what Danny Ings does. He just finishes and, and he was composed. And I mean, when he did that, I just kind of, again, you know, wow. But just that was, uh, I mean, it, it was nice to see him back because he's, he's back fit. Uh, I think he's the only player on our team that, that does that, that puts all of it together in terms of getting on the mistake, capitalizing on the mistake, finishing well, I think we got a lot of players who could get to the ball, um, but not finish, and then fewer who would finish it but not get to the ball. But Danny Ings, I think, is the only one who does both. Yeah, that composure from Ings, the finish, uh, is brilliant. Um, I can't remember who fed it into Ings, but as you say, Ben Mee's tried to come across and he's completely misjudged it. Didn't get a toe poke in it or anything. And then so it's kind of left for Danny Ings to then get a couple of touches. I think he then sees um, James Tarkovsky coming in just um, 
on his kind of peripheral vision. So he knows that he's going to have a player sliding in. So Sits it's not down. worth going for that shot. So the composure to then just take a touch to fake that he's going to shoot, he's going to shoot and then take it around him, pass it under Pope's legs. Uh, it's a brilliant goal. Um, yeah, as you say, I don't think many players in our club um, have the composure to do that. So we've really missed Danny Ings and I'm glad he's back. He puts people on posters, it seems, all the time, you know, in, in, in basketball, in the NBA. That's, you know, you don't ever want to be on the poster, but uh, he seems to maybe he did it to Artifield. He did it to, he did it today and he just sends guys the wrong way. And it's just like, you hate to be, you know, somebody does that to you playing five aside. You're like, oh man, like I'm never going to hear the end of that. But like, nobody's taking pictures of five aside and putting it on the internet. Like, uh, so I, I didn't actually notice I was too busy writing. Wow. To see if he really celebrated because it is his former team. But, um, you know, looking up stuff for the game, looking up for, for images and stuff to do the, the pre-match stuff. Uh, I did notice that Ings does the same celebration. It's always the arms out. Like the, there are so many images of him tapping the badge in the exact same manner that he does the Southampton one. It's like, Oh, like, he 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 loves playing football. He loves scoring goals, and uh, that I think that's all. I think that's why I like him. So that's nice. Um, I, I guess for you, uh, you know, what really, if anything, stood out in in the second half? Obviously, we 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 have the goal. Uh, Ings was involved in that again. I think uh, the three players who you would probably put towards the man of the match type performers, um, Ings, I don't want, I don't know if Redmond's there, but but Armstrong uh, are all involved. But uh, what did you make of that of that third goal? And then I guess what else stood out to you in, in the second half as we looked kind of pretty dominant, I guess, throughout? Yeah, I think um, what was different to, um, today to a lot of our second half performances this season is we just kept the pressure up. Um, I think all the more so because we'd come down from, from two goals down and then we're trying to get that third goal. Um, we were just cranking up the pressure and it seemed like we would get a third. You kind of started to believe uh, it wasn't really till those like final 20 minutes that we had a few iffy moments, but we were really cranking up the pressure. And um, I think, yeah, for me, Redmond was definitely a contender for man the match. Really, really impressed with him. Um, I actually really liked Walcott today. I know he had a few instances where it was that counter attack and he could have probably sealed it for us um, if he'd have played the right ball. But um, just being able to keep persisting for that third goal. So obviously Ings has gone for his shot. And then Walcott, I think, again, he was pretty composed because I think if it fell to someone else, potentially they, I don't know, if it fell to someone like Adams, he might have just tried to go for a first-time shot. But Walcott took that touch and then he was able to pick out Redmond, little looping ball. And then Redmond, again, very composed and um, he takes his shot brilliantly. So to take up the 3-2, I think just... Yeah, the pressure and the composure in the second half, I was really impressed with. Um, yeah, it wasn't really till we got a third goal that I think maybe we sort of tried to reel it in a little bit. And then obviously, Rouse, Rouse brought on Salisi to go for a back five. Um, and then we invite pressure a bit too much. But yeah, really impressive compared to a lot of our second half performances where we've capitulated. Yeah, I uh, don't know why I said Armstrong was involved in that goal. It's definitely Walcott. Um, <laughs> so thank you for correcting me there. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, I, I haven't, the last note I have written down is, are we ever going to score on the break we had? It's just kind of like, we were getting closer, inching closer. And then you finally think, okay, chase through, here we go four two, seal it up. And then he just goes wide and you go like, oh, that's Che Adams of early 20, uh, like 2019, 2020 season. Uh, we needed Che Adams post COVID break, uh, that, you know, but it wasn't quite there. So, um, 
you know, hopefully, uh, maybe I maybe thought maybe he'd get another chance, but he, he just didn't. But three two winners, uh, will take it. I think they said, if memory serves me correctly, that's the the first time we've come back from two 0 down. Maybe since that Liverpool game, I can't I can't remember. I think that's it. Um, yeah. Um, and if that's if that's the game that I'm thinking of, that was a, a hotel room that did not and not appreciate what I did to it when we go doing that because it was. It was, a, it was a good time. Um, that was one time where I almost left at halftime because I was like, I got a five hour drive home. I should just leave. And then, uh, you know, the comeback started. I said, maybe I should stay. Um, but that was nice. So anyway, um, well, I, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to point out? I think we have uh, one listener question to kind of get to here. Um, so we can just go to that if you want. And uh, if not, we'll uh, continue to talk about the game, whatever you want. A um, couple of points. I think just, in general, Redmond played very well today. I think it just shows that confidence goes a long way with him, um, especially after Bournemouth. He's uh, been able to score two goals and he got the assist, I think, for that game too. But just keeping up that confidence, um, he every time he kind of looked to go forwards, he would then make a forwards pass that sometimes it didn't come off. But the Redmond of maybe five or six games ago, he probably would have passed it backwards. So I think mm. definitely his confidence is on the rise. And I think that really helps the team um, because when they're seeing players take on um, a couple of the Burnley defenders, it yeah probably gives a lot of confidence to the team. Um, and I just think we just had so many shots today. I think it was 22 or 24 shots um, in total today. And yeah. I think that's the most we've had in a long time. So just being able to keep out that pressure and it's, it's definitely, I think the international break has definitely helped and we've needed that kind of break because it's just been, constant constant games games every like few days and uh we just needed that time to just you know refresh and uh reset so yeah i'm very pleased that it's been what three two three weeks now so i'm uh i'm glad i didn't tweet any of the things i was texting people because at 2-0 and with burnley i figure okay this is where they go you know two banks of four and we don't score and we may have you know, a ton of possession, but we're never going to get anything from it. And I'm just glad I didn't put those out into, into the public view. Uh, cause those are the things that get, they get brought up and then, you know, not, not great, but, um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that, glad we, they proved me wrong. So, um, yeah, we, we do have one question. Uh, it's from F U T underscore A S T. And he, there's a lot of, uh, speculation around contracts and things like this. And, you know, Danny Ings having the game he had today, uh, or, or on Sunday, uh, when people listen to this on Tuesday, uh, he says, assuming the Saints survived the drop, how do they pivot if Ings leaves this summer? Uh, I feel more confident now that we'll, we will survive. I was never really kind of doubting it. There was uh, some definitely some dark moments, but um, you know, we survive. Ings leaves. What do you what What do you think has to be done? I mean, ten goals in all competitions so far, uh, and I think he means a lot more than, as you said, just the numbers say uh, to the team. But what what do you think happens there? Um, well, Don't say Sergio Aguero. <laughs> I'd obviously love him to stay. I think, um, yeah, as he showed today, he's so important to the side. And in terms of his, it's not just his goal scoring, it's his link up play as well and um, ability to kind of drive from our half. And even his defending is, is brilliant at times too. Um, I think we should be doing everything we can to keep hold of him. Um, it would be a real shame to see him go. But if he does decide that's what he wants to do, then um, who can really stop him after what he's given to the club? Um, but I think we then have to kind of focus on getting the best out of Adams, really. Um, now he's uh, an international player playing for Scotland. Um, I think that's really going to kind of help him with 
his confidence, um, being able to have that, those those extra games to play. Um, and from what I read, he was like one of the best players for Scotland in that international break. So yeah. I think, yeah, get the most out of Adams and then we'd probably have to look for another striker because I think in Lundaloo, he's he's too young. He's still kind of learning his trade and I don't think long, uh, you know, <laughs> he's probably not going to be coming back to no. the club uh, I think he's still got another year left on his on his uh, contract, so potentially he'll just be there for helping out the younger players. But he's probably not going to get too much game time. So I think focus on Adams, um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully Ings doesn't leave. There was some uh, a write up looking at how different teams have used substitutions um, in the Athletic, and I think Long was either I think our most used substitute, uh, and he hasn't even been here since since January. Um, but I think only three goals from the bench um, all season for Saints, and it's just like you said, not good enough. And if we're going to have a, a somebody to partner Adams, if Adams is going to be the guy, we got to have a partner that that suits him. And whether that's whether that's Redmond, whether that's somebody else, uh, I don't know. Or because I just can't see us going out and finding another goal scorer. I think that that's probably too much to ask financially, um, especially with with things contract running down. And just kind of what 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 that means. So, uh, I mean, we probably don't get that much money for him if he goes because there's only a year left on the contract. I think I could be wrong. Um, wouldn't be the first time, but uh, you know, fingers crossed. We don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> so, and he, and he stays and he keeps scoring goals, and we can just keep uh, celebrating how great he is um, and seeing pictures of his dogs on Instagram. So, I think that's uh, yeah, that makes everybody smile. I don't even like dogs, and it makes me smile. So, um, anyway, I think. Um... Um, yeah, also just, just added to that. I think I was just on Instagram a little bit this week and I saw a lot of kind of posts on his profile. He doesn't normally do that. So that's usually when I feel like that's when he's in a good mood. So hopefully he's in a good mood and wants to sign the contract. Yeah, no, he doesn't, as long as he's not uh, pulling the uh, the Hoiberg where he just suddenly has a social media following because he wants to go to London, you know. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's what he's doing. It doesn't feel like that. So uh, I think it's just time off, um, you know. Yeah, play with the dogs and everything's good but um yeah i just want to say thanks for doing this man I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk um on easter sunday nonetheless and uh, it's been it's been it's been wonderful and the, and the page i'm glad the page is going well people don't follow you it's at saint mary's stat base the uh the link is in the the show notes so people can find it and uh, give you a follow and and it's something like you said it's something a little different uh something that other people aren't aren't doing and you know, it's just uh, it's a good look at at the club and making sense of of some of the things that I think we we kind of it goes across the screen on Sky Sports or or whatever, and then it it's out of our minds. And and there's actually a story there if you kind of pick the right stuff and dig in a little bit. So uh, you do a great job with that, and I would encourage everybody to to go take a look. Yes, Matt. Thank you. that does it for the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. There are entirely too many people to thank for the success of this show. And I'm not just talking about numbers or anything like that. But we will start with this week's guest, Matt Legg of FC Not Alone, Dave Champ, and of course, Stephen from St. Mary's Statbase. If you don't already follow them on social media, the links are in the show notes. I would encourage you to get in touch. And uh, remember, talk to someone if you are feeling down reach out to somebody who may be feeling down uh, remind them that they are not alone that we are there with them and that um you know we're all in this together so uh thank you to, to everybody who joined the show this week 
to make it come off and uh, and I hope that everybody enjoyed it um, looking forward thank you so much to everyone who has partnered with the show over the years that means Jay from the Southampton page that means the Saints Archive Will um, and Leon you guys have been fantastic I'm sorry that we didn't do more this season um, that's on me not you and, and I hope and I know that you will continue to grow and uh, do good things so thank you to you Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page who did the logo for the show. You were there from the very beginning. Aside from my wife, I think you were the first person to know that this show was going to happen. Uh, Thank you for being such a great supporter. Um, If you don't already follow him, at We Are Southampton on Instagram. Once again, links are in the show notes. There are so many individuals who have reached out, who have provided constructive criticism, who have uh, helped shape the show just by their comments or their suggestions. And I just want to say thank you to all of you. Thank you to the patrons of the show. Uh, It was especially hard to break the news to you guys. Uh, I had to use alcohol to do it, which is not a good coping mechanism, Um, but it was uh, was great to have uh, your support to be able to get to know so many of you. And I just want to say that a lot of you out there have, you know, we've we've connected in some way through this show, and uh, I plan to keep those connections alive. Uh, Nothing's going to change other than I won't be doing the show every week. Um, still a fan. I'll still be up at 4 a.m. to watch the team. And uh, I still plan on um, you know, getting over there once this whole COVID thing kind of passes. Uh, to those of you who were scheduled to come on the show over the next eight weeks before the season is over, um, I owe you beer. And I will provide that when I get over there. And um, thank you to everybody. And even though there won't be a next time, just remember that together we march on.